Welcome to the Ultimate Insurance Agency Podcast. Planet of the Agents. Planet of the Agents. Where we give you the real scoop on being an insurance agent and running an agency. This show is all about helping you focus on earning more money as an agent and building your own insurance empire. Empire. Here's your industry-leading host who has generated tens of thousands of insurance leads. This is Dave Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Thank you once again for joining me on this episode. Today, we're going to talk about four modernizations that you can easily implement into your insurance agency to bring you up to date and to help you compete in the modern world. But first, of course, I do want to remind you to subscribe to the newsletter at planetoftheagents.com. Don't forget that when you join, even with the free membership, you do get access to the resources section, which will provide you with a lot of helpful links and connections and information about the topics that I discuss and some of the products that I may be mentioning. We also now have a Facebook group. Simply search for Planet of the Agents and you can join today. And I am posting some information that I'm sharing here, but in more detail and with some additional information in the Facebook group. Now, let's talk about this technology. First, let's look at it from a realistic point of view. Most of the tech that I read about in publications or websites or the zillion newsletters that I seem to receive, it's probably geared towards large companies. Whenever I read about innovations, I really feel like they're not talking to me or you, but rather to huge companies. A lot of what I receive and what I see online is something that looks like it's for a back office of a major insurance company or perhaps some other billion dollar corporation. I don't feel that a lot of us not only will be implementing it, but realistically, I'm not even sure some of it applies to what we're doing in our day-to-day lives. There are things I see like complex data analytics, which might not really be in your warehouse, but you have to look at it on a smaller scale. So speaking about data analytics, you actually do have some data, such as that from your customers, that could help you at the least cross-sell and look for more opportunities. You might not need to spend a million dollars a year on intense data mining software, but that doesn't mean that you can't look at the information that's very simple, that's been provided to you by your customers, or even change the way you gather your data to see if there are cross-sell opportunities. Think about this really small question. If you sell auto insurance, you could ask people if they have a hitch or some sort of ball on the back of their truck to tow something. If they say yes, logically you might say, well, what is it that you tow? And they might tell you, oh, you know, I tow this trailer. And then you could say, well, what kind of trailer is it? Like, it's the one I used to haul my jet skis and my golf cart and my ATVs and all these other toys that I have. Voila. Here comes the cross-sell opportunity. It was a very easy question to ask, and now you've opened a new door. Imagine if you had checked a box in your CRM, you know, your client relationship management software, that you might have added where it says, does this customer have a tow ball or hitch or some other item like that? You could just run a scan for all of those people and reach out to them. That's just a very small example of something that you can do with data. But today, I want to talk about four really simple modernizations that you can implement. Why am I bringing these up? 
here's the thing. I talk to a lot of people each week who work in insurance on the retail side, out there in the field selling insurance. I hear the same problems over and over and over again. Sometimes they're problems that would require much more, let's say, complex changes to the industry. And realistically, most of us probably are not going to be able to shift an entire industry. But a lot of them could really be solved with very simple changes and a few pieces of low-cost technology. Did you catch that key word that I just said there? Low cost. Now look, I get tons of solicitations, like I'm sure all of you do. We all seem to get all these emails from mailing lists that uh, include advertisements. And when I click on some of them, sometimes there's no pricing listed at all. I have to say that's a little discouraging. Some of them will tell you the price, but you'll see keywords in there like enterprise businesses. Let's just say that most of us might not be at enterprise status. We might not have 5,000 employees. I don't know about you, but I would guess that the average listener to this show probably doesn't have even 100 employees. Maybe you have two or one, or you have some local kid working for you or a family member. That's generally what I see in insurance. And it's great. Remember that. You're a small business, and that is awesome. You're the backbone of this country, and a lot of people really appreciate that. You don't need to have an empire of a business. I used to have this dream that I would have a sign on the side of the freeway, and you'd drive down the freeway, and there would be the name of my business, and I would be so proud of that, and it would be a sign of my success. Well, the older you get and the more involved you are in business day to day, you realize that maybe that's not what's going to make you happy. And that's not what is your definition of success. Now let's get back to this technology. Let's start with the first one. Number one, electronic payments. And when I say electronic payments, I don't even mean the ability to take credit cards. I'm talking about EFT or ACH or what a lot of people just like to call e-checks or electronic checks. I can't tell you how often I hear people say, I can't buy in this policy because I'm waiting for the customer's payment. So of course I have to ask them, what do you mean you're waiting? They said, well, the customer said he'd send me a check and when it comes in, then I can buy in the policy. Oh my, do you know what your competitors are doing? They're binding policies. They're not waiting for a check in the mail. Now, Think about this. Not only today do you have the regular everyday amount of time that you would have to wait for a check, but on top of that, you have this ongoing pandemic. Do you think that might have slowed the mail down a little? I'm not faulting the post office. I'm just saying that that's just a reality. Things might be moving a little slowly. But is the internet slowing down? I don't think so. If you were able to take checks electronically, you would eliminate so much hassle, it's shocking. Now look, there are quite a few different ways you can take a check electronically. There are systems where people can send you an image of a check. There are systems where you can input their information and it will run a payment. Now, I do want to say, keep in mind that electronic check payments are not instant and you do have to wait for them to clear, but at least you've shaved the time down dramatically. And perhaps the people you're working with will be understanding if you're in a situation where a check does bounce or is rejected for some reason. 
Remember, a check could be rejected not because someone doesn't have funds in their account, but simply they gave you some of the wrong information. There are some people out there who are going to want to request a copy of a check and things like that. Now, one more quick side note. Before you tell someone to email you their personal information, such as financial information like a check, be careful. Is that really safe? Is that a safe way to do it? It might not be. So you want to look at options that give you a safer method. And perhaps the term we're looking for here is to prevent a cyber liability situation. Here's the other thing about waiting for checks. Do you even know if someone's going to pay you? How do you even know? You know that classic expression that people always make fun of? The check is in the mail. Well, that's a very tough situation to deal with, especially if you're selling a lot of commercial insurance. There are some companies now that will simply tell you don't bind a policy with unless you're sure that you have gotten a payment. If you read some of your contracts, you'll notice that they probably say things like, you will be held responsible for the minimum earned premium and all other non-refundable charges. So that's something that you're going to have to make sure that you're aware of on a different level. But you'll always need to be aware of that. But when you're taking electronic payments, it just speeds up the process dramatically. I cannot believe people are sitting around waiting for checks. Maybe if you're dealing with a huge customer who has some sort of corporate uh, accounting system and they need to mail you a $100,000 check, sure, you might be dealing with a different type of customer and a different type of policy. But for the average person that I speak with, a lot of them are talking about policies that are $1,000 or maybe $5,000, sometimes $10,000. But realistically, I primarily hear about people talking about sub $2,500 quotes. So that's number one. You need some form of electronic payment. Now, if you are not taking credit cards or are taking credit cards or are looking into taking credit cards, well, you want to be aware of all of the rules on chargebacks and the risks that are assumed by the uh, usage of credit cards, as well as the compliance requirements that are required. Those are issues you want to discuss with your vendor. Now, uh, in the resources section of the planetoftheagents.com website, I do list a vendor that I use, and I've had good experiences with them, and even their customer service has been positive. The system is easy to use, which I find important. As you know, ease of use is key today. And you also want to have some customer service to back you up if you have a problem. Next is number two, remote backup or cloud storage. Look, I also used to want to have an office where everyone would come in and we would all work together and we'd have this great team feeling. I used to want to have a bowling night. I'm not even from a place where we had bowling, but it was just that idea. I like the team spirit. I like the energy. I still like it today, even though I'm broadcasting to you from home. But everything is different now, okay? We have to look forward, and you cannot sit around and just look backwards about what you wanted or how things used to be. You're probably going to need a cloud-based system. If you're not familiar with this concept, in very generic terms, it just is like a hard drive or array of hard drives that uh, store your data online somewhere, probably in a data center in the middle of a desert somewhere or in the forest or wherever electricity is cheap, somewhere by a dam. You're probably going to need this. If you don't have this, I'm actually a little bit surprised. But once again, I talk to people who have been telling me that they're having trouble dealing with some of their client accounts because they cannot access their files. 
some people are telling me that they have a server in their office that serves their files and they have to try to figure out how to access it remotely. Is that really the most efficient way today to be doing this? Well, there was a time when I had one of those servers and I was so proud of myself because I'd actually learned to network it for the entire office. I was so impressed that I could connect all of these computers somehow through this router or switch and other devices. I, I was really excited about that. I thought that I was so modern. Yeah, then came the cloud. And I have to say the cost is very, very competitive. You can store an incredible amount of data for a very small amount of money. And it's easy to access. And as long as you have a decent internet connection, and I don't even mean a gigabit internet connection, just an average one, it's probably easy to use. But here's why you need it. People are working remotely. They need to access things. I have actually talked to some people who told me they are not working remotely and that they still go to work at their office, but when people are stuck at home, they cannot contribute. And I understand what the problem is. And I think it's great that they can still go to their office based on whatever is going on in, in their environment right now. But if you're going to even want to attract younger talent and people in the future, I think there's going to be a general expectation of this. Think about this. Don't you pull up your personal email from your cell phone? or even your business email? Or do you use a tablet to check it after work? Well, what if you could have all of your files right there at the tips of your fingers, just waiting to be accessed? Think about how great that would be. You could work 24 hours a day. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I'm just kidding. Anyway, you've gotta have something that's remotely accessible. And also, I like the remote backup concept of it. What would happen if there was a fire at your office and you lost all of your data that was on a server? Even worse, what if you had paper files? I used to do some work when I was a kid at this place that would send me across the street from their building, downstairs into this basement that I like to call the dungeon, where it was a little cold, it was a little moist, and it was a little scary to go grab a file. They would tell me to get a file that was sorted by some sort of alpha alphabetized system, but combined with numbers. I can't even imagine doing that today. Today, I can push a few buttons on my keyboard and voila, there are the files. So you want to keep up, you want to make it easy for your team, and you also want to be able to tell new people that they are going to be able to use some technology that is efficient. So if they do need to work remotely, then so be it. They can do it. Even if you don't like the concept of remote work, which I know a lot of people don't, although it's the talk of the town and I constantly hear about it and all the business news that I read, how the future is remote, I do understand why you might not like that, but you just have to participate. Let's move on to item number three, electronic signatures, better known as e-signatures or e-signing. Once again, you don't have to wait for the client. Look, who has a fax machine today? A lot of people have electronic faxes, but that's just a formality because there are some entities that require that they still send you faxes. Heck, I know people who don't even have printers. When I tell them they might need to print something to send it to, I don't know, some place that just doesn't accept digital items or doesn't accept faxes or emails, they say to me, uh-oh, I better ask a friend if I can use his printer or I need to go to work to use the printer. I, 
I remember when printers were these huge expensive things and you had to always buy toner and all these other things. Now, look, if you work at an agency with, again, you know, hundreds of employees, sure, you probably need a printer. It's a different setup than what most of us are doing. But here's what I love about electronic signatures. It helps you reduce missed signatures or missed data. Let's say, for example, you have a commercial insurance application that requires several questions to be completed. And what you might notice is that when people fill them out on their own, they leave a lot of blanks. But when you place data fields on your electronic signature forms, you can make them required so they'll have to provide you the information. It's great. It's modernized things. It's made it so you can tell people exactly what they need to fill out. And more importantly, you can get it done right away. Now, here's the thing. There are a couple well-known electronic signature vendors, or if you want to call them software companies, that charge a lot. And, you know, they might have a product that has a lot of advancements and a lot of add-ons and modules and special functions that you might never use. So while they might provide a great product for some people, on the other hand, you might need something that's simple and you just need to get a couple fields filled out and some signatures. So if you do a little research, you will find out that there are companies that have very competitive prices. As always, you probably want to make sure your carriers and your wholesalers and MGAs do accept those electronic signatures, but I can't recall a recent time when a business has told me that they do not accept such signatures. I feel like electronic signatures are really a big part of the future. Now, don't forget the most important takeaway here. Big companies are using it, and so are your competitors. Therefore, you need to be at least somewhat on their level. Let me give you an example. Let's say that to bind a policy, you need one remaining document signed, or let's just say an application at all. And you say, well, you'll have to fill this out after you print it and then fax it back to me or scan it and email it to me. The problem is a lot of people today are looking for the path of least resistance. It's unfortunate that coverage is not always number one to every consumer out there. But realistically, people are looking at the price and the path of least resistance. We can call this again ease of use. What could happen is someone would say, well, if you need me to do all that, I'm just going to go online and buy it somewhere else. And you might think to yourself, you can't buy this insurance online. It's complex. It's not going to have the same coverages. You don't have the same options. You might even think that they don't sell insurance for that industry online. You know what the client might say? I understand that. And I appreciate your consultation and all the information you gave me, but I need it now. So I'm just going to go do that. And here's the other thing. You probably can't compete with direct writers who can remove the entire signature process by allowing people to purchase things directly on their web page. There are also insure tech companies that are setting up things so that commercial insurance can be transacted that way too. So you're competing with not only the personal lines companies and some commercial companies that write online, but you're also competing with insure techs and direct writers that are going to not even require a signature. As for which company to use, obviously there are going to be ups and downs and pluses and minuses. You're going to see situations where you're going to see a lot of features that you don't care about, but you might see one single feature that you want. You'll just have to balance out how much it costs and what is important to you. 
when I first used my first e-signature platform, I was paying what I considered a lot. And that company is still uh, one of the higher priced ones. They do offer a lot of additional features. And I, I do feel that they're upgrading their software frequently. I mean, that's what you get when you pay for a SaaS product. If you're not familiar with the term SaaS, that is software as a service. And you generally find that those products increase in price over time, and hopefully they give you an additional feature. Over time, I made a list of the things that I really needed, such as you know data fields, inserting signatures, and most important to me, with templates. And I was able to find something at a more competitive price. I am going to add to the resources section by the time you hear this, a few tidbits of information on the one that I'm using now, and you could research it and see if it works for you, and great. Hopefully you like it, and if not, hopefully you, there is one out there that really works for you. Now, let's talk about number four. I consider that today's takeaway. It's this new form of communication. It's called texting. Have you heard of it? You might have already done it 50 or 75 times today. Why do I keep saying it's new and have you heard of it? Well, let me tell you. I, once again, cannot believe how many people tell me that they cannot reach their customers and they're waiting for a callback or they've left a voicemail or they sent an email and still haven't heard back. Okay. Listen. Do you even check your own voicemail? Be honest. How often do you check your voicemail? When someone leaves you a voicemail, do you say something like, why didn't they just text me? Who even leaves voicemails anymore? Now, sure, my family leaves me voicemails. Even those that are from a younger generation, uh, they still leave some voicemails. And I understand. That's what they've been doing all their lives. They used to have answering machines. But it's, uh, it's 2020. I think it's time to use a new form of communication. Look, texting is not always the most efficient and enjoyable form of communication for business. But it's one thing that people are really doing. It seems like everybody loves to text. There's actually uh, uh, some sort of problem people develop with their thumbs from over-texting. I think they jokingly might call it carpal thumbel syndrome or something like that. I enjoy sending digital messages too. I prefer some of the cool chat apps that are out there, uh, but uh, texting seems to be very universal in the United States. Now, if you're from Europe, you might be used to using WhatsApp. If you're from Japan, you might use Line. There are uh, other applications that people use in other countries that are very popular, but here texting is still widely accepted. Email feels so old, and here's the problem that really gets me. It's that a lot of it goes to junk mail or spam mail or some sort of promotions box. You do realize that your email is being filtered by the email provider on the receiving end, right? Now, you might have turned off your junk option, or you might be using Outlook or some other program for business email, and you're not using one of those free email services that so many people use. The problem is those services are filtering your email and often placing them into junk mail or other boxes so your clients are never seeing them or they have to literally search for them and dig for them. I do think it's useful to make sure to tell your clients that there's a decent chance that your email will go into junk mail or spam or promo boxes because there are some things you might need to email them. I understand this. But 
if you want to have a quick conversation or you need to get an answer right now, texting often provides a more rapid response. Texting services are incredibly cheap now. A lot of people who use voice over IP, they have the texting features included. One thing to always think about is, do you have multiple phone numbers that people call you on versus one main number? There's a risk, of course, if you have each individual person from your office texting from their number because they might not respond and you as the owner might be responsible for a problem that could occur. So I think it's important that you have a system where you can log all the conversations just like you do email. It would be wonderful if you have a CRM, uh, meaning, once again, your client management software, where the texting is integrated and it's logged under the customer's name. That definitely exists. But here's a problem that I, I can definitely see and that I hear about and I think about all the time is that the system that you have started with or where you have 10,000 pieces of data would be very hard to migrate into a new system. Migrating data is... It's an entire industry, actually. I believe there are people who do that for a living. They help you migrate your data. And you might not be able to add that to your current system, or you might be in a situation where you have an, an older system, like we'll call a legacy system, and now you want to use a new system, and that would require two different pieces of software and costs and difficulties. But just remember this. You need to figure out a way to log the text conversations, whether your, the texting software might offer some, offer some sort of PDF printout or screen captures, but you might need that information later for potential problems, so to speak. Another cool thing about texting is some of the software lets you create texting templates, which I think is very useful. Why keep typing the same questions and the same data over and over again? It's so inefficient. If you've worked in insurance long enough, I'm sure that you really love duplicate entry. I would rank that as one of the top 10 complaints I hear from people about having to enter the same data over and over and over again. It certainly is frustrating. But here's the key thing. Not only are your competitors offering texting, the larger ones are offering many different ways with which to communicate with them. Sure. Big companies like Direct Writers and some of the big insurtechs, they have phone numbers. They have texting. But you know what else they have? They have online chat. They have Facebook chat. They have conversations on Twitter. They have chatbots that send a series of automa automated messages and use certain kinds of uh, questioning systems that make it feel like a real person. And there are a lot of other forms of AI or artificial intelligence today that make you feel like you're speaking to a real person. It's a natural language response system. So while you may not be ready to implement some form of artificial intelligence, that doesn't mean that you can't implement other methods of communication. Now, if you are sending messages on social media platforms, once again, you'll need to log all of the conversations. And you might want to consider controlling who gets to send these messages because that could generate a problem as well. I know some people use shared inboxes or shared software, or they let just anyone at the company log into their Facebook page and answer questions, but make sure you have a way to save the messages and aggregate them and keep them in a secure place. That's one thing to always remember when you're switching to any sort of digital service. 
clearly you want to limit your liability or your cyber liability and you work in insurance so it would be really useful to read up on case studies on how cyber liability claims have happened and how data needs to be managed there's a lot of very valuable information about that so always pay attention to security cyber security and other forms of security for your data and the communications that you use with your customers so I did want to make sure to touch on all of these because these are hot points that I hear from agents and I think these are low cost and very easy to implement modernizations that most insurance agents hopefully are already implementing or have coming in the near future because I think that people are losing business because not only can they not respond fast enough, they cannot communicate with a customer in the way that they wish to communicate today. It is not enjoyable, for example, on your cell phone to have seven different ways to chat with your friends, right? People send messages on Facebook. They send them on Instagram. They send them on WhatsApp. Ironically, all three of those are owned by the same company, but they're different platforms. If you talk to your friends in other countries, you might use several different apps as well. On top of that, you have texting, you have email, you have your personal email, you might have five or six work inboxes. I have friends who probably have 20 or more inboxes for their businesses and they need to manage all of them. There is software out there that does aggregate all of these things together uh, for multi-channel communications, but it may or may not be in your budget and it may or may not be practical for you. So that's today's episode. I do want to remind everyone to subscribe to the newsletter at planetoftheagents.com. And you know what? Join the online club. It's free. You can join uh, with the free option. There's a resources section. There's some other useful things in there that I like to provide based on my own experiences, some links and articles to read. And there is an option for a premium package where there are additional documents like templates and sales scripts and things like that. So as always, if you have any questions or comments, or if you want to hear about something on the show, please feel free to send me an email anytime at dave at planetoftheagents.com. That's dave at planetoftheagents.com. One final exciting piece of news, I'm going to have some interviews coming up with several people to talk about what's going on in the business and how we can focus, of course, on growth and retention. That's what we're here for. That's what I'm here for. I want to share my experiences with you. I want to tell you what I'm hearing out in the world today, as well as the things that I've gone through and that I've dealt with and how I have tried to conquer some of the problems that we all have to deal with in our specific industry. So I hope to hear from you all, and I hope that you will continue listening on the next episode when I will share some more information on a... Oh, it's a secret topic. I can't tell you till the episode comes out. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to Planet of the Agents. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And head over to our website at planetoftheagents.com to sign up for our newsletter and get even more information on how to grow your insurance agency.